You're listening to Cobs and Spikes, a new podcast from the International Maze and the Improvement Center, Simit. I'm your host, Rachel Kramer. This is a space where we're going to break down complex science into bite-sized, audio-rich explainers. We're going to have real conversations with experts from around the world who are innovating in the fields of agriculture, food security, and nutrition. We're also going to listen to stories that link Simit's research with real-world applications. In this episode, we're celebrating World Food Day, October 16. Also this week, food experts and leaders from around the world are gathering in Iowa for the 2018 Borlaug Dialogue and the World Food Prize Laureate Award Ceremony. Today, we're talking to the World Food Prize recipient of the 2018 Norman Borlaug Award for Field Research and Application. Matthew Rouse is a researcher with the Agricultural Research Service of the United States Department of Agriculture. He works on developing wheat varieties that are resistant to diseases, and he's being recognized for his work on UG99, a devastating race of the stem rust disease. Here's part of that conversation. What exactly are pathogens? I would define pathogens as an organism that can cause disease on a host. So we're talking about like fungi or bacteria or like what what specifically? Yeah, and for plants, we generally think about viruses, bacteria, nematodes, fungi, um, parasitic plants as the, the primary pathogens on, on plants. Okay. And so with this Norman Borlaug Award for Field Research and Application, you're being recognized for your work fighting UG99. And how would you describe this kind of disease? Like, what does it look like? How does it spread? How does it affect wheat? UG99 is a, a strain of a pathogen that causes the disease stem rust of wheat. And stem rust is a pathogen that requires the plant to be alive. And it infects wheat plants on the, the stems mostly and it produces a whole bunch of reddish-brown colored spores. And so um, when you look at wheat that's been infected with stem rust, it, you know, the stems don't look green. Instead, they have spots or maybe even covered with these reddish or sometimes orange to brown colored spores. And those spores can move in the wind, so they can get picked up and um, blown even across continents and are often deposited um, during rain events. And so that's one of the things that makes the disease so dangerous is that it can spread so far and also really fast. And so the time from which a plant is infected with the disease to the time when the fungus starts actually producing spores can be as little as around seven days. And so the exponential increase of this disease in a field or across a landscape is really dramatic. I mean, is it sort of like taking nutrients away from the plant, or what is it actually doing physically to the plant? UG99 infects wheat, and it diverts the the water, um, the nutrients, the sugars that are produced in photosynthesis from the leaves, and um, takes that that material makes a whole bunch of spores. And so it is not a disease that causes a toxin, but what it does do is reduces the the yield. And so you 
get instead of large plump seeds, you can get really shriveled seeds that might even just blow out the end of a combine, resulting in very low yields when there's an epidemic. And so it's a disease that diverts um, the nutrient flow to the seed and takes those nutrients instead and makes a whole bunch of spores with them. Okay. It sounds like something out of science fiction in a way, <laughs> like some kind of alien like coming in and you know sucking out the, the life of <laughs> some other organism. Yeah. So when it emerged in 1999, were you based in Ethiopia or where were you when, when it broke out? I was in high school when Eugene and I discovered. Yeah, so um, I didn't even know about it until around 2005, and that was immediately after Norman Borlaug had visited Kenya and saw, you know, a number of fields that were devastated by this disease. And so when when he saw that, um, he remembered, you know, from before the Green Revolution, when he worked with wheat in North America and other places in the world, how devastating stem rust could be when you have a virulent strain. And so he he knew that this is something that could be very bad for global agriculture. And, and he started telling a lot of people and, you know, writing op-eds. And so out of, out of his, you know, initial efforts to highlight the importance of this, this disease, I, I found out about it um, after that. Can you talk about the emergency response in Ethiopia and and what role you had in the agricultural research community in trying to address it? A lot of the immediate response was around, um, you know, right around that time, 2005, and I wasn't really directly involved. It's really uh, largely a success story regarding UG99 because um, in 2005, most of the wheat growing areas in the world did not have any um, UG99 resistant varieties or very few or those varieties were not um, in in farmers fields and that that changed kind of fast um, through the work of CIMIT um, funded often by USAID or other um, funding institutions or even the Gates Foundation to increase seed of UG99 resistant varieties and get those out the, the big problem is that this um, pathogen keeps changing. And so even though we have UG99 resistance, we, we never know if this is going to break down. And in fact, in 2007, the first variant of UG99 was reported um, that was virulent to a resistance gene in wheat called SR24. And since that time, there's been a number of new variants of UG99 and also additional strains of the stem rust pathogen that are also very virulent, but different than UG99. And those strains are spreading uh, throughout Africa um, and even Central Asia. Where are those new strains breaking out? The first... Um, example of a new strain that broke out was in 2013 in Ethiopia, and there was a variety of wheat called Digaloo that was increased partly because it was resistant to UG99, but also because it was resistant to a disease called stripe rust. And that wheat variety became very popular after 2010 in Ethiopia. But in 2013, 
there were large fields, and or not necessarily large fields, but large areas of Ethiopia where um, the Digaloo wheat crop was heavily um, infected with stem rust. And in, in those regions, the yield loss um, approached 100%. And so there's a major stem rust epidemic in the, those areas of Ethiopia on a UG99 resistant variety. And as it turns out, um, the the strain of the stem rust pathogen was not UG99, but a different race. We call it the Digaloo race, or TKTTF. And that that race um, has has spread around. It's been found in a few other countries. And um, it was really in response to to that epidemic that I became more involved with Ethiopia. And that epidemic kind of reminded many of us in the um, the wheat rust research community that we can't just worry about one strain. We have to worry about all of the strains or potential new strains that could arise. And unfortunately, at the time, there were no um, field facilities for evaluating um, wheat to that new strain. Um, that We didn't have any data on that new strain to different varieties in the greenhouse or otherwise. And so I started working with CIMIT, with the Ethiopian Institute of Agricultural Research, and several um, other scientists um, at the USDA and University of Minnesota. And we established some new screening sites in Ethiopia and um, were able to have a platform for testing for resistance to that new um, strain in addition to other uh, virulent strains that have been detected in Ethiopia. And when you talk about screening sites, do you mean that somebody, a farmer who thinks that they might have this type of UG99 would send in a sample of their wheat crop and then you would test it? Uh, could you explain that for us? Yeah, so um, that's a, it, it's going to be a complicated answer, unfortunately. <laughs> but so the, the screening sites that we established were for screening wheat varieties and wheat lines for their response to um, the, the races or strains of the stem rust pathogen. So we wanted to know, are, there, are the current varieties in Ethiopia or, or advanced breeding lines from CIMIT, are those resistant or susceptible? to this new Digaloo strain of the stem rust pathogen. And so we planted those lines um, in Ethiopia and then inoculated um, nurseries with the pathogen um, that, that caused that epidemic and then looked and recorded data um, of the resulting disease on those lines. And the reason why your, your question is complicated is, is because, yes, um, there's also work to identify and characterize the strains and where they are. And, um, you know, CIMIT has really taken a, a lead role in doing a lot of that, um, especially in Ethiopia, where um, samples of the stem rust pathogen are collected and sometimes killed or sometimes kept alive and sent to um, international labs or even a lab in Ethiopia for characterization of those strains, and then with the, the dead samples, those samples can be 
genotyped and determined well, what strain they likely are based off of their, their genotype as well. Okay. And so you were working on these screening facilities. What other ways were you working with partners to um, try to monitor the spread of these diseases and uh, develop new varieties that would be resistant? Yeah, so I, I work for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and you know, our mission is to protect the, the wheat crop in the United States in particular. And one of the main ways that I fulfilled um, or working on fulfilling our mission as our agency is to you know, take the United States advanced breeding lines and screen those in Ethiopia and in, in Kenya. And so, you know, when um, around 2007, when the first variant of UG99 was detected, that variant in particular was very virulent to um, the current wheat varieties being grown in the spring wheat region of the United States, which is historically where we had the biggest problems with stem rust. And so in 2007, we had basically no resistance in the spring wheat crop in the U.S. And based off of these nurseries that are in Kenya and in Ethiopia, which are collaborative um, partnerships with CIMIT and with the Ethiopian Institute of Agricultural Research and the, the Kenyan Agricultural Research Group there, um, based off of those cooperations, we've been able to evaluate those U.S. lines, and some of those U.S. breeding lines have been released, and one of them has uh, been very successful. The variety Linkert is now the most widely grown wheat variety in Minnesota, and the number four or so variety in North Dakota the past couple of years. And so we've gone from no resistance in uh, the United States spring wheat crop to um, one of the more popular varieties actually having resistance to UG99. And so that, that's a way that we've, we've used a partnership in order to uh, make an impact here in the U.S. But we've also um, worked with our partners to establish these other newer screening facilities in Ethiopia so that the Ethiopian government and also CIMIT can get more specific data on the response to different races other than UG99, other races of the stem rust pathogen, in order to inform their variety releases as well. And so CIMIT and the Ethiopian government have also um, worked together and released a variety that was originally released in Kenya called Kingbird, but it was subsequently released in Ethiopia. And that variety was shown to have resistance to all of the virulent um, races that we screened against in Ethiopia. So it sounds like, you know, partnerships have been key in trying to tackle emerging wheat diseases. What do you feel like are the main barriers to this? I think the biggest barrier is just the fact that the pathogen keeps changing. And so you're trying to deploy resistant lines, but you never know when the resistance isn't going to be effective anymore. And so Ravi Singh at CIMIT has done a really great job in emphasizing resistance that's not effective just to specific races, but that is effective to all races. 
Um, but even that type of work is, is very um, difficult to, to complete, um, especially for a lot of um, breeding organizations that aren't like cement, where they don't have um, huge nurseries that can be screened in bulk in Africa. So I think keeping up with the pathogen is, is probably the most difficult barrier that we have. Right, because, I mean, it takes about, what, like eight to ten years to create a new variety? Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, you know, trying to predict, like, how these um, diseases are going to evolve can be really, really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, and... I wanted to ask, you know, because you're going to be going to the World Food Prize and, you know, this award recognizes a young person who carries the legacy of Norman Borlaug. And so how does it feel to be recognized at this level? Well, honestly, I um, I still feel like I, in some ways, don't really deserve the award. And um, it's really because of um, the, the team effort. You know, this is definitely not something I just did. You know, this is very much um, a, a team um, effort, you know, with other people here at USDA, CIMIT, um, other places. And so um, it does recognize one person who's young. And um, I just kind of like to emphasize that, you know, I'm one of the few or fewer young people in, in the group. And so I think it was kind of reflective of the accomplishments of the group and, so it feels really, um, I feel really honored to receive the award um, because I, I know what Norman Borlaug has done. You know, it's been estimated that he saved um, approximately a billion lives. And so that, that's really amazing. And to be associated with, with that legacy in any, any way is really a great honor for me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cobs and Spikes. In our next episode, we're going to look at blue maize in Mexico and how new markets could boost farmer incomes. If that can bring some of these, you know, sons and daughters back to farm, to me, that's the win in conservation, both genetically and culturally. You can subscribe by searching for Cobbs and Spikes on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you soon.